Yo, uh, welcome back. Uh, I got my producer extraordinaire, Sabrina Sith. I'm, Here. You know what I'm saying? Got a mirror on the ones and twos. We in the building on a lovely Tuesday in March. Uh, we back at it, man. Make sure you're drinking your water. Make sure you're drinking your water, man. All right? This is my ninth gallon. Wait, what day is this? Eight? Mm-hmm. This is my eighth gallon. Eight gallon in eight days, so this is my eighth gallon that I'm working on. I'm uh, having a great time. I already noticed changes in my body. I don't know if it's a combination of the water I've been drinking and uh, the workouts and the fact that I kind of cut back on my sugar intake. So I think those three things, I'm starting to see like little differences. So I feel like I'm getting back in rhythm now. Um, and we're doing a challenge. We're doing a challenge. Four gallons of water a week. No fried food, as in deep fried. No sweets, as in added sugar, anything. So you can still have your fruit, your honey, your agaves, but natural sugar stuff. But you can't have added sugar sweets. And you got to go to the gym uh, 25 days this month. The gym. The actual gym, not not working out in the backyard with some Russian dudes and a and a random bear in the background. That's a video I've been meaning to do a voiceover on. So there's <laughs> some dudes in Russia <laughs> hanging on some tree branches, doing workouts, and the bears behind them rocking the trees. I'm like, what's going on in Russia? Shout out to everybody that's affected by what's going on in Russia and the Ukraine. Um, if you have any family members or anything like that. My heart goes out, of course, prayers to you and your family or your friends or your loved ones, to anybody affected by uh, the Russia and Ukraine situation. Um, just wanted to throw that out there, get that in the mix, get that going, and uh, letting you know that, you know, I care about what's going on. So uh, there's that. Uh, shout out to my blue and white family that came out to Tacoma and gave me this hoodie. It's a Phi Beta Sigma hoodie. I uh, appreciate y'all for coming out and showing support. The love uh, the love in Tacoma was amazing. It's like, uh, you know, I really appreciate the love that was shown and given and extended. It was almost a fight at one of my comedy shows. I never told you the details. Oh, no. Okay. Oh, yeah, because I was like, what happened? And then you yeah. prayed it out, and I was like, well, go yep. to sleep. Also, uh, I think I forgot. So uh, we having a show in Tacoma. Nate mm -hmm. Jackson, Super Funny Comedy Club in Tacoma, Washington. Fantastic comedy club. If you live in the area, make sure you pull up. It's a good time. Great energy. Great staff. Um, and it's just a good time. They, they get they get the, the top-notch comedians. It's a black-owned club and one of the few in America. And if you get a chance, make sure you support and go to Nate Jackson, Super Funny Comedy Club. And they take good care of the comedians. And he's a comedian himself, so he gets it. Um, so, uh, Friday night, Friday second show. Um, it was a it was a rowdy crowd. Like they, the energy was just you could you could taste the energy on this show. They were they were super excited to be there. They was on ten. The love was shown and felt right. So much so. That one guy, he kept throwing 20s on the stage as I was performing. So he would throw a 20 up there. 
And he was like, man. And he would get back up, throw another 20 up there. And I'm scooping it up like a dance at the strip club. I'm like, <laughs> yes, I'm shoving it in my little shirt. You know, I'm scooping up the tips, okay? He's, he's just popping up. Man, you love you, dog. 20. And I'm just like, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm scooping it up. I'm putting it in my yes. cheeks, whatever the case may be. I love that. So... <laughs> Um, so this is going on throughout my set, right? He just throwing a 20 up and then it started, it started <laughs> trickulating other people throwing cash up on the stage. So it was just getting out of, but he would just pop up when he felt like whenever the, whenever the feeling hit him, he would pop up with the 20. And so mind you, he's at table, he's at a table with other people. <laughs> so apparently the dude sitting at his table so when this man, and this is a tall man, big, you know, big black dude. So apparently the guy behind him is just tired of him popping up. Cause it's like he was he was low-key interrupting the show. It was like, and I think when he I was doing an extended bit with an act out, and he popped up on that. And so it was just like, you know, he kind of messing up the rhythm of my routine. And so dude apparently just got fed up over there. He was just tired of this dude popping up in front of him, ruining the whole show, you know. And so by the time I noticed what's going on, the dude was like, man, what's up, man? Let's go, man. Sick of this, man. Let's do this. And I don't know what was said in the exchange. I'm sure he said, hey, man, can you sit down? Man, I'm going to do what I want. It's probably that type of energy, maybe. But by that time, the dude was riled up. He's like, man, what's up then? Let's do it. Let's go. And I was like, yo, no, man, hey. Come on, y'all. No, no. And I'm just on stage like, come on, man. Hey, hey, go to the other side. Sit on this side. Sit on this side. No, man, we not doing that here, man. We not doing. Come on, man. Sit on the other side. So what ended up happening was the dude that was tipping big left the venue, him and his girl. So apparently they, they was pretty drunk or whatever. And the dude that was fired up, that was flared up, he was just like, my bad, man. My bad. It was just, you know. My bad, you know he, he, you know he sat back down and uh, and just enjoyed the rest of the show. And I was just like, "Yo, it's almost the the fisticuffs." That's crazy. He might have socked the twenties out of that man, and I would have scooped up them twenties. I was gonna say, I would have still scooped. He would have made 20s. it rain with a punch. Man, that'd you know be great. They was tipping in Tacoma. Yeah, because he he set off the trend of tipping, and then this one girl came up and put a hundred on the stage. And I was yeah. like, "Yo, man, let me tell y'all something, man." Let me tell you something right now. <laughs> the love shown was just amazing. I was just like, man, it, it just would have sucked if they really would have broke out in the fisticuffs. Would have messed up the whole vibe. And I'm I'm a type of performer, man. It's hard to get me off the stage. Like yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you your money's worth. I'm gonna continue the show. Mm-hmm. In San Diego, one time, these dudes got into it right at my feet. Oh yeah, they got the into story. it right at my feet, man. It was just like it was a show. The stage was low to the ground, so I'm even with the people watching the show. And the dude kept talking. He tried to come up, and I was like, "Man, what you got to say, man?" And I handed him the mic. Not handed it to him, but just put it up to his mouth. He tried to take the mic. I was like, "Nah, let's say what you got to say." And then the dude in the front was just like, "Man, shut the fuck up, bro." He was just fed up. <laughs> He was fed up, and he was like, well, what you want to do? And then they started scuffling, and then they fell right at my feet fighting. I'm still standing on stage. I'm like, 
oh man, it's going down. I was going to continue the show, but then Moses was like, all right, y'all, show over. It's hard to get me off the stage. Mm-hmm. Even in Virginia Beach this last year, uh, the fire alarm went off, and I stood on the stage the whole time until they got everything figured out. And the club going to have to blow up before I get off the stage, before I, before I give up. Because y'all done spent your hard-earned money. Y'all done, y'all done got babysitters. Y'all done drove. You done put gas in the car. You done got an outfit. You got your outfit together. So I take that very seriously. So I'm like, yo, I'm giving you your money's worth. So, you know, and, and the comedy club was like, man, you know, a lot of comedians would have just left after a minute or two. That was dope that you stayed up there. Because the fire alarm was going off for a while. And I was just like, yeah, man, I ain't going nowhere until y'all tell me, until the fire marshal shows up and be like, Everybody needs to get out. It's a real fire. Then I would be like, all right, just take it outside and finish the show outside mm-hmm. while, the, while, the, while the building's burning up. You know what I'm saying? But that's what happened at Tacoma. So that's, that's what the fight was about. Yo, can we normalize tipping <laughs> to oh, comedians? Man. The tips, because tips I, was coming in strong. I feel like. Nothing less than the 20. That's dope because <laughs> performers deserve it. It's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot to entertain people, especially as mm-hmm. a comedian. Yeah. It's it's a lot of like comedy's not easy. Mm-hmm. Tip tip your local comedian. <laughs> tip your local comedian, man. If they make you local, laugh, throw wait, the tip up there. Especially your local comedians. Oh yeah, for sure. Because they are going through it. For tip sure. Tip your local comedian a hundred percent because they are <laughs> yeah, they are going through it. <laughs> I remember the first shows I ever done where I got tips is at this place called the Family Room in the hood in L.A. Uh, near Athens Park in L.A. And there was a show there at this venue called the Family Room, hosted by the very funny Henry Coleman. Henry Coleman, even though he gets on my nerves as a person, uh, you know, I got my issues with him as a person comedically he is one of my favorite comedians to watch i think he's absolutely hilarious and i'll never take that from him but and he also it's still on site for me but. oh yeah yeah i feel that <laughs> um also he gave me an opportunity early on in my career to host the pre-show of his show at the family room and so this room is super hood, and it's like, yo, it smells like fried chicken wings in the venue. It's like it's like one of those. Like the actual venue itself, it looks like a Midwest basement, but it's not in the basement. But that's the look. And so um, if you're funny, they throw the money on the stage. So you up there, you trying to kill it so you can get them tips. You know, you smell the chicken wings going, the tips are coming in, and so you're just doing this. And so that was the first time. I actually got tipped on stage. Hood room, you know what I'm saying? A lot of comedians can't handle that type of tough crowd, but I learned a lot, man. So I, I'm grateful to Henry Coleman to this day for that. Um, but that was my first experience with getting tipped as a comedian. You know what I mean? Um, one of my patients said, bro, you're going to start doing bachelor, bachelorette parties for that change? I mean, you know what I'm saying? If it's a good environment for comedy, sure. Why not? I will be your manager. I'll be like, ladies. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you would think I'd say, 
above the waist, please, ladies. But I'd be like, man, just do whatever y'all just do. put the money with. Do whatever y'all yeah. want. Just make sure you tip them. Yeah, tips, man. <laughs> tips, um, McGee. Tamara asks. So Chris Rock and Kevin Hart are doing headliners only show together. Mm. If you had to choose any comedian to headline with, who would you pick? If you had to do a show, let's say four besides yourself, four mm. headlining comedians, who would you choose? Four. Yeah. I, I added that part just because. Oh, so we adding three more comedians. Yeah. So we doing like a Kings of Comedy. Yeah, yeah. Outside of my crew. Headliners. Uh, Anybody who headlines in your crew can be No, because you know, because it's just gonna be easy to go with the crew, and so I'm gonna make it more interesting and go with other other headliners that you know that you haven't seen me with already. Mm. So I'll do that, make it more interesting. It's not easy to be like DC, Keon, you know, but Kev. Um, so I'm mm. gonna go. I'm gonna go outside of my circle and go with. Roy Wood Jr. A hundred percent. That'd be hundred percent. Roy Wood Jr. A hundred. Roy Wood Jr. Uh, oh, I, I, you know, I, I would, I would be honored <laughs> to, you know, uh, do a show with Damon Wayans. Oh yes. I would be honored. Uh, and then I'm gonna go with. Uh, I'd be absolutely honored too. You know, you know what? I would, I would love to do. I'm gonna take Damon Wayans out. Oh shit! I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave the super legendary out because he's a legend to me. So Sinbad, Damon Wayans, I'm gonna just leave them out. So I'm gonna go Roy Wood Jr., Sebastian Maniscalco, man, <laughs> and uh, the fourth comedian. I would love to do like a a four man. Or woman show. Uh, let me throw in. Damn, man, it's tough. This is a tough one. I'm gonna go with Bill Burr, man. Oh, that's a good one. Goddamn, Bill Burr. That's so Bill Burr, good. Warwood Jr., Sebastian Maniscalco, and me. What's dope about that lineup is that none of y'all are the same. That's and that's that's what I try to tailor the show around. You yeah. know what I mean? It, it, it's always a better show for me um, when you got completely different perspectives from the comedians that you see. Mm-hmm. Like um, it's just a better flow overall. Like uh, that's the type of show I would like to see. You know what I mean? So, yeah. That would be insane. We'd do that. I feel like everybody would walk away with such a headache. Man, that's a good-ass time. <laughs> you would need to have, like, you would need to have some sort of, like, strip performance in between each comedian <laughs> just so people can calm down and be Get like, all right, together, let me. Yeah. Whew, okay, all right. Because <laughs> laughing a lot really does give you a headache. It does. In the back of, the back of your thing here, just be mm-hmm. hurting. You'd be like, oh, I'm going to laugh. Cheeks yeah. hurting. Like, you really can't laugh yourself out. Yeah. And just be done. Yeah. And so, hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, before I get to the topics, let me let me tackle one of the questions from last week. 
or the previous weeks. Um, not not a P. I asked this on Daddy Issues, but you missed it. Do you remember the first time you were recognized by a fan for comedy? Do you remember when your kids realized you're famous? Um, man, so really, honestly, the first time I was recognized for comedy was actually before I even did stand-up. It was, uh, I was at a common concert in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Me and my brother Scott were there. And uh, this girl comes out the crowd. She's like, yo, you're hilarious. <laughs> and I was like, huh? She was like, I saw you host that talent show at NMSU. I was like, oh, oh, thank you. And and her name was Lauren. We're still cool to this day. Um, Lauren really implanted the seed in me in that moment of just like, man, maybe I am like really funny because when I was doing stuff on campus, I was hosting everything because I, I worked for the Department of Black Programs. I was outgoing, anything involving anything. I hosted, yeah, I host, I host, you know, and so and my goal wasn't to be funny. It was just like I'm hosting a show, I'm gonna keep it moving. I'm just trying to entertain on stage. Do you feel like you were hosting a lot to get used to talking in a crowd since you were in the acting mentality, like being an actor, or were you already used to speaking publicly? Like, were you already, not used to, but, like, did you have no fear of speaking publicly? You you know what it was? I think it was, it was, because at that time, when I first went to college, I was like, man, I really want to do film. Yeah. So it was like, I was already making what they call Instagram or Vine skits or whatever, TikTok, whatever you want. I was doing that in 98. Mm -hmm. So I was making little funny horror movies or just doing like little skits of the life of Squilly before he turned to drugs. It was just like, and we were just passing it around campus. So it was just like, man, I really want to be, be a filmmaker of some sort. So when I started working for the Department of Black Programs as a work study, you know, I was just really tapped into the social aspect of college life. So anything that was going down, like, oh, we do we doing a pageant, we doing a uh we doing talent shows, we doing this. I was like, you know, I host, you know, because mm -hmm. I had the you know, and this is this was this was prior to me doing theater for the first time. This was before mm -hmm. uh theater. And so uh and I never wanted to do theater. I was just like, man, look out. And so I was just getting more comfortable being entertaining just on my own personality. And so I ended up winning the pageant that I had no clue. Like, I ain't winning this pageant. I ended up winning Mr. Black NMSU. Okay. Yeah, I was like, oh, damn, okay. <laughs> personality. Um so that in that moment, that's when I that's when I feel like I was recognized for being funny, like on a on a you know show type vibe. Even though I technically wasn't a comedian then, that was the moment. Uh, other than that, I can't really remember the first time I was recognized for being a comedian because you know that that moment with Lauren in Albuquerque at the comic concert that's what stuck with me to this day. And then. Uh, when the boys, when the boys saw me get recognized, dang, I can't, I can't remember the first time. 
because um, you know they they were always with me, you know, around town. I remember Serene saying, "Man, Dad, Dad knows all the women around here," and that was because <laughs> we were in Vons or one of the grocery stores, and uh, this one this one lady that worked there was always nice to me, and so. Um, and then I had the, the the other lady that worked in the food department at Albertsons, older black lady. She reminded you of like a like a southern mom was just like you could tell she was hood, but she mm-hmm. was very like warm and friendly and you know, she we would always chop it up. So and I, I store hopped a lot. So I would go to Albertsons to get this, and I would go to Vines to get this, which I still do. You still do. <laughs> and so Serene's with me and he's just like, yo. Man, Dad, you know all the women. I was like, oh, you know. And I was just like, <laughs> well, you know, I had nothing. But um, so it was in those little moments where I think they were just kind of seeing, like, you know, Dad Dad knows a lot of people. And, like, you know, um, as, my, as my, I guess, fame started to grow, they would see. They would see. Sometimes people just come up. Man, you funny. I love your videos. This, that, and the third. Like, man, dad, dad out here blowing up. So they would say stuff like that. And but I don't. I don't really remember the first time. But there were definitely moments where they were on the scene and seeing people, you know, recognize me and you know take pictures or whatever. And they just like, man, you know, that's crazy. Like, you know, because to them I'm just pops, but. Um, so yeah, they would definitely see those, those times. I'd be like, man, you know, and I would feel like, man, you know, I'm actually working towards something. It's mm-hmm. working. Mm-hmm. And that was a good feeling. And then to see the pride from your own children, it's like, oh man. Yeah. They, yeah. Yeah. So it was just like, ah, it's yeah. good, good feelings, guys. Good yeah, feelings. They're, they're all about, they were all, they're all in. Yeah. Know? Uh, I wonder if Serene adapted that because you can tell that around women his energy was very um charming and like mm. you know sweet and like you could just you, you just see yeah. like okay this is a good this is a good kid right you know what i mean and very uh-huh. respectful and very like and you know even afterwards there was a lot of like older women that came out to support and stuff that yeah. were like man i loved him and i was like oh that's like yeah. you could tell he had a good impact on yeah on every woman he's ever Ida, Ida was telling me that you know he would he would you know respond to her stories and in, in the DMs and stuff like mm-hmm. that and like man how you do I see what you're doing like you know <laughs> encouraging her and stuff like that and mm-hmm. I was just like that's dope so she would have like conversations with him via yeah. Instagram I was mm-hmm. just like yeah when I was looking through our text yesterday I was mm-hmm. just like man like we were just chopping it up yeah. about nothing and everything and right. it was just like it was just dope. Like, yeah. It was just it's easy. It was just always so easy to talk to him. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if he if he saw that in you cuz you're easy to talk to. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you don't care what people bring up. You'd be like, "All right, let's go with this conversation." Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You don't judge. <laughs> you're not like, "Well, that's weird." You might say it later, but yeah. not out loud. <laughs> I usually um, only say that if I feel like they're disrespectful in a way. Yeah, well, that's different. That's when I'll be like, "That's different." Yeah, like why would that's you say weird. that? Weird. What are you doing? Yeah. And so <laughs> Those are the only times where I'll just be like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder if. Uh... <laughs> so, yeah. And wait, and not, not like, sincere is, is 
great. Yeah. He's amazing. But I feel like he's not as like quick to spark up the conversation. But oh, once no. you have the conversation, like once right. you talk to Sincere, he'd be he yeah. be chopping it up. He's a, he's a little charmer his, himself. Yeah, like it's once just, he gets comfortable in the flow, yeah, he's all in. Aww. But he said, you know, he'll tell you himself he has so, social anxiety. Mm-hmm. So you know, but once he, once he gets comfortable and into yeah. the rhythm, he's just like me. Yeah, <laughs> it's so funny that Virgo. It's a good time. <laughs> yeah, because I got social anxiety, but when I'm comfortable around you in yeah. person, is try to shut me up. He be he be singing. Oh. He always sing. Sincere is sing McGee. He be singing. He'll come around the corner. He'll come down the <laughs> steps. He'll get in the car, already singing the song. He'll be looking dead at you. With a serious face sometimes. Feels like summer. <laughs> and looking dead at me. And I'm just like, yeah. and a lot of times I won't know the song. I'm like, man, what's yeah. he singing? Uh-huh. My and favorite, he'll tell me. My favorite thing to do when he's home is bust into his room and just start dancing. Yeah. Like, not say nothing. And I'll just uh-huh. start dancing. He'll just start dancing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to no music. And we just be dancing. And I'll be like, all right, I'll talk to you later. Yep. <laughs> and I'm just like, so it's, it's, it's interesting to see just like how... You know, the similarities I see in my own children, like, mm-hmm. you know, you know, I sing all the time, so does Sincere. Yeah. You know, um, the social aspect um, that me and Serene shared, it's just like, yeah. you know, and, you know, Serene is just get fed up with his friends just like I do. It's just like, man, you know, you get frustrated and be like, man. Yeah. Same way. So it's just like, man. To see the similarities in your children, so it's like, all right, yeah, you know, I definitely see you in them, mm-hmm. and it's just, it's, it's funny, mm-hmm. Cause especially like in the beginning of our relationship. I'd be, I would, you know, like I always told you, my favorite thing is to watch you be a dad, yeah. And so when I watch y'all interact, I'm like, huh, look at that, they doing the same thing at the yeah. same time, <laughs> probably don't even realize it. Look at them scratching their head at the same time, uh-huh. the same, you know what I mean? They'd just be like little things or like little mannerisms or little like just the way y'all react to things and i was just like yeah it's hilarious it's so isn't that crazy like how you just pass yeah pieces of you to another human being that's i marvel at that all the time <laughs> it's insane good good and bad yeah unfortunately yeah good and bad yeah so um you know i think about that all the time it's just like you know because i know i have traits of my mom you know we the same you know what i'm saying so it's just like Pretty dope to see. C-Dub, 716. Um, are you guys buying Kanye stem player? I think I might get that. Oh. I like how you can isolate every part of the track. I like that. So it's kind of interesting to me. Oh. Um, so I might I might eventually get one. You know what I'm saying? Why not? Why not dabble in it? Uh, it looks like fun. So maybe. I'm not 100%. On if I'm getting it, but um, I'm thinking about it for sure. Not a P. What are the bad traits? Bad traits for me, he, these are my bad traits. Uh, I procrastinate. Um, I am a procrastinator. If it's something that I don't really want to do, it'll take me a long time to get it done. Uh, my punctuality is a bad trait, which Serene had in spades. Mm-hmm. Serene also procrastinated. Um uh, what else is a bad trait? Um, I was flirty. I was a cheat. I don't know if that that trickled down to the to the boys. I don't know. I don't know. But it it maybe you know. Um, bad traits. Um, 
I sometimes I don't think I'm as stubborn as the Zodiac makes me out to be um, in terms of, you know, set in, oh, I'm going to just do this just because. Um, if it if it can be made make make sense to me, then I'll be like, all right, you know what I'm saying. I'll I'll give it a try. I'll try this new thing. I'll try. Uh, I am stubborn to change some things, and then once it's changed, I'll be like, I like this, you know. So I I won't normally be like, man, put it back the other way. Um, what what are some of my shoot? Sabrina brought this up the other day. I'm a deflector. Oh, dear. so I deflect. Um, that could be good and bad though. I just deflect compliments and I, I deflect when the heat is on me. If it's something, if I don't want to hurt somebody's feelings, I'm deflecting. If I, if I feel like, uh, the pressure's on me, I might deflect. If you, if you talk about me too much in a good way around other people, I deflect. It's, uh, I'm definitely deflection McGee. Um, what else? You say cheats don't count? <laughs> It's Larita, man. Um, what else? I will say about your stubbornness is that it's not in a like an everyday kind of thing. There are certain things that you. I also think you're a uh, what's the word subconscious stubborn individual. Mm. You think you're making progress on things, and you think you're you know, doing this, that, and the third mm-hmm. mentally. Yeah. But then outwardly, it's like, no, you're not really, you know. Like what? Like letting go of certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, well, like our conversation that we had the other day about like resentment. Yeah. It's like, like you're stubbornly holding on to that, mm-hmm. even though subconsciously you want to let it go. I mean, not subconsciously. Consciously you want to let it go, but subconsciously you're holding on to it. You know yeah. what I mean? And then it's like I don't think I say I don't think I I think I own that though. No, no, you own it. That's what. But I'm. I don't say, think I'm making progress. No, but but you you talk about it as if it's gonna happen, but stubbornly, it it doesn't. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? That's different though. That is different, but but it's still a, a stubborn. Yeah, yeah It's for still sure. a stubborn trait, and Absolutely. also like another stubborn thing is uh <sighs> the argument <laughs> between the the group chat. Mm-hmm. Um. That you had the other day, and you just be like, "Man, forget y'all. I'm a, I'm out of here." That's not stubborn. Own. That's impatient. That's it's just that's like, a negative. I'm impatient. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. impatience. Yeah. Because it it was just like I don't have to deal with this. Yeah. That's that's when you're ready to quit at the moment's notice, or just like a, I'm out. Yeah. And so that's impatience, and that's another trait where it's just like you know I don't have a lot of patience, especially now, like you know. Serene's death has changed me, so it's just like mm-hmm. I really don't have time for shit that don't really mean a lot in the moment, in the grand scheme. Mm-hmm. So I'll just be like, I don't have to deal with this, so I'm out. So that's another one. Um, not not a, not impatience to where you know I cuss people loud, or it's just like it'll just I'll walk away. Then just we out, you know. Um, but yeah, those are some of the negatives for me. Um, my, I could be a bit of a loner, um, you know, like, you know, when I don't want to be bothered, I can be like, you know, I just don't want to be bothered. And, you know, that could, that could hurt people's feelings. 
So that could be a negative trait. What it might not even be a negative no, negative trait. It could just be human. how I am. You know, um, it's nothing personal. A lot of the times, it's just you know. Um, I'm glad that you never had to tell me that, because I feel like we often have our own. Like we come together, I'll give you a hug, mm-hmm. and then I'll be like, "Yeah, all right, I'm gonna be over here with it." Yeah, you know what I mean. So I'm I'm glad that you've never had to be like, "Man, get, go away." Yeah, because it's like, I I go away on my own because we're both like that. Mm. We both like to be in our own world, and yeah. like, and then you know we have our obviously we have our time together. Hello, we're together. Mm. Um, but for the most part, we be in our own realms doing what we doing and like, yeah and i think i think that's just it's healthy and it's a, it's it's a comf like when you're comfortable with yourself that's everything mm-hmm. and uh yeah so i don't think it's a bad thing yeah. I, but then again i am like that too so maybe it is yeah. it could maybe. be bad depending on who you ask and when you yeah know, when it's asked yeah because sometimes i'm just not there you know yeah yeah you know what i mean like i'm not I'm I'm in the room, but I'm not there. It's just like I'm mm-hmm. just, you know, and so that could be considered, you know, bad in some circles. But yeah, and then lately I've been on some like, if somebody hits me with something that I just don't feel like mm-hmm. mentally, just responding to, or it's just too much for me, and it's just like, all right, I'm not. No. Yeah, I'm, I'll I'll get back to you, right. and like I, that might be a bad trait. But I have learned to be like, hey, like, I'm going to respond to this when I'm somewhere, mm-hmm. when I'm better mentally. Or if I do finally respond, I do, I'll be like, my bad. Like, when I saw this, I just wasn't mentally yeah. in a place to respond properly, and I want to give you a proper response. Right. Like, you be leaving people hanging a lot. I do, because I'm mostly, most of the time, I don't have the mental capacity to respond. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody said, now name your good traits. I did already. Uh, I here's my good traits that I feel are good. I don't know how y'all gonna take it. It sounds weird to just be like my good traits are, um, <laughs> but I don't know. Like, like for as far as the good traits, I feel like that's for for people to to say. Um, you know, um, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I'm good at, you know, making people laugh. I'm good at um, you Obvious. know, being a light for people that, you know, may need it. Um I don't feel like I'm the best. I feel like I'm a good listener, but only if you write it out. Um even if you tell me like in person like I feel like I'm a good shoulder to cry on. Uh, in terms of, you know, if you want to ventilate, I feel like I'm good at, you know, taking in your ventilation and then be like, all right, you know. Um, I try to be mindful of, you know, when Sabrina ventilates to me about something that's unrelated to me, I have a tendency to try to, you know, correct it or just you know help out in any way i can and sometimes that's not really necessary mm-hmm. but i i just feel like because because you know um because one one thing about relationships that is frustrating and it's when you when you just sit there and listen you take it in you're like man that's you know you could be a good ear then later on down the line it could be like yeah i, I told you about this and you 
you never did this, this, and the third. Be like, I, I didn't know I was supposed to, you know. Sometimes we don't know when and, and when not to try to come in and help. We don't know when to just be in here mm-hmm. or actually step in and do some things. So it's just like that tiptoe is it's a tightrope because it's like, you know, we we don't know. Because naturally we don't want to overbear it and be like, why don't you do this, this, that, and the third? I'm like, I don't need that right now. I just need you to listen. Oh. And um, so really before you go in and ventilate, you should kind of just let let it be known. Mm-hmm. I'm just getting this off my chest. I don't need any. Yeah. Or be like, might need some help with this. That way the person you're ventilating to knows how to receive it and take it in. I, I feel like we do have a good um like when we when we talk about stuff like that. Like like the other day you were like, Do you, is that something you want to do? And it was yeah, like you were like ready to go. Yeah. And I was like, No, not right now. Right. You know what I mean? And like we're good at that. But like there are times where I'm like, Okay, I'm about to tell him this. He's gonna want to say something. He's gonna want to react. Mm-hmm. I gotta make sure not to like. I gotta make sure to set it up so like, right? Because you know, there's certain people that when I bring them up, I'm like, man, they still annoy me. Yeah. Don't say nothing though. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? I'll just be ready to, be, to handle it. Like yeah. you know, especially if it's a uh, if it's a reoccurring issue. Yeah. It's just like, because like for me, example, like you know, um, depending on who it is, if it's a reoccurring issue, I'm out. Like I'm just. Mm-hmm. You know, we ain't that tight anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just be out, you know. But another good trait of mine is I feel like I'm good at making people feel comfortable. I feel like I'm good at, you know, empowering people to go for their dreams or what they're interested in or, you know, pursue passions or whatever. I feel like I'm a good cheerleader on that front where it's just like you know um i like to call it breathing life in the people sometimes where it's just like you know um i'm i'm here for it like you know if you if you want to attain these things yes yeah you should you know i feel like i'm good at that um i I like i like for people to feel included um and not feel left out or oddballed out um, when it comes to fatherhood, I feel like I'm good at listening to my children, um, and not just being overbearing with it. I was overbearing at a, at a point in time when it came to sports. It was something petty, it was something lightweight, but it was still me being overbearing. And you know, I, I was mindful of that, and you know, adjusted myself and apologized. But you know, um, there was that thing. I feel like I'm a fairly good communicator as well. Like uh if I if I don't like something or if I'm unhappy with something, I feel like I'm good at letting it be known. Um sometimes my my delivery may be a little bit too harsh, but I feel like I'm just good at letting letting you know where I stand. I feel like I'm very vocal about what I don't like when it comes to how you treat me or talk to me or bring to me. Um I feel like everybody knows my dislikes. And I get frustrated when people try to deem themselves special to where it's like, you know, I know you don't like this, but for me, you're going to do this. That's not going to work. Mm -mm. And then people want to feel like, well, 
I'm this, so why why I got to be treated like everybody else? Because that's how I'm set up. Mm-hmm. And you know, um, I just don't like it when people. I don't like to feel finessed by people, like little little mental games and little mental finesses. I don't like hints and clues, and you know, I like straightforward shit. But anyway, oh, facts. Um. Kiyomi asks, what made the biggest impact on you growing as a comedian? I can tell you right now, the biggest impact on me as a comedian is hosting Crack 'em Up Thursdays at the Comedy Store every Thursday night. That right there, shout out to Nichelle Murdoch, who, first of all, Nichelle believed in me early on, before anything. She, was, she saw something in me, and she was like, yo, I want to manage him. And, you know, I want him to host the show that I've been working on. And uh, side note, Miranda Cummings, that's a fact. When I met you at Arlington Improv, I was so geeked to meet you in D.C. You two made me feel so at ease. Miranda, that's that's one thing, one thing about me that I hope is conveyed when you meet me is that you feel appreciated and you feel that I'm excited that you're excited about me. Like, you know, one thing I try to present at all times, if you're a fan, I want you to feel good about being a fan of me. I want you to feel the energy you giving me. I want to give you that energy right back. And so I hope that anybody that has ever met me in person, I hope you feel that. Even though sometimes I can be overwhelmed and I kind of hide now because, you know, I'm emotionally fragile now. When you do see me, I'm going to give you something. You know what I mean? Like, even now, like, at the comedy clubs, like, you know, when if, I, if I'm if i coming to the comedy club and people are in line to see me and they see me sneaking into the green room, like, Tony Baker, I'm going to give you something. I can't, I can't just ignore you or brush you off. I just can't do it. So I hope you feel that your fandom is appreciated and loved, and I want to give you that same energy. Um, but yes, hosting that Crack 'em Up Thursday show every Thursday is the single most beneficial tool to my stand-up career because it gave me constant stage time. I'm hosting the show, so now I'm working on my improv skills. I'm working on my crowd work. I'm working on my 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 bits. I'm working on my material. I'm working on different. I'm working on how to change the energy in the room. I'm working on so many different things on a weekly basis. This made me so strong as a comedian. And I tell comedians all the time, hosting a show is so beneficial to any comedian because it makes you so much stronger. So that that's for sure, Kiyomi, is the, is the thing that, that impacted me as a comedian the most right there. So then when it is crunch time, when, I'm, when I am doing the TV taping, when I am on tour, whatever, I can dip into my bag of, you know, hosting a show for, hosting a show for three years. I can dip into that bag and, and be successful on stage for the most part. I wanted to get into this before I do the Batman review. The Kanye documentary, um, I don't know if y'all have been watching it. I don't know if y'all have seen it. The Yeezus documentary is three episodes. I watched it all. Um, as a documentary, I had a really good time watching it. The first two episodes and the beginning of the third episode were really strong. And then when I feel like 
uh, Kanye got later into his career, it wasn't as compelling as the early parts of his career and him trying to make it and him trying to get started. I feel like the earlier parts of his career up until his mom passed, it was a better watch for me because after that, it kind of became just like, you know, the document, the documentary director, uh, Kooji, Gooji, Kooji, I want Kooji. Is it Cody? 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 I don't know how to say his name. It's a D though or something like that. Uh, Cody, I'm fucking it up. (laughs) Yeah, it's still on, it's still on Netflix. After that, after his mom passed. Oh, Cootie and Cheek. Cootie and Cheek. Cootie. Cootie. My bad, Cootie. Um, I feel like there was a, there was an obvious disconnect between Cootie and Kanye the bigger he got. So now the documentary just really just became us watching Kanye do these epic things. And that's cool, but I just feel like there was a distance created when Kanye blew up, he kind of distanced himself from Cootie. And so, you know, so the documentary didn't feel the same. And that was one thing I noticed about Kanye was when Kanye was trying to make it, when he was trying to convince Rockefeller, like, yo, man, I'm dope. My talent, I got the talent out here, man. Y'all need to sign me, this, that, and the third. Kanye was always fighting to prove himself prove his worth, prove his talent, while also being confident in his talent but feeling the need to prove it and wanting to impress Jay-Z and Dame and, like, you know, impress. And then once he once he blew up musically, he wanted to impress the fashion world and the art world. And he wanted to – he was always fighting to be seen and heard and felt and respected. All the while – all the while overlooking those that believed in him from day one. And that's where I just noticed that trait in him. Like after he blew up, when the college dropout, you know, exploded, there was no reason for him to distance himself from Cootie. Like why was there, why was there a distance after he finally attained what he was striving for? Like Cootie, Cootie believed in Kanye from day one. He quit his stand-up career to follow Kanye around with a camera before, you know, Kanye got the deal. Let, let's do this documentary. That's showing you that Cootie believed in him before Rockefeller even believed in him. So it's just like, I've noticed, like, man, that's kind of messed up how you kind of dip out on the people that were there for you from day one now that, you've, now that you have attained, you know, what you were fighting for and you kind of neglect the people that were already in your corner and you know, so it was. I noticed that, and it, and as a conjunction with, you know, when Kanye was on Drink Champs and he disrespected Talib Kweli and backpack rappers, I was just like, "Yo, man, these cats embraced you early on before before Rockefeller even would give you a real chance." I'm just like, "Yo, man, these cats embraced you. They gave you stage time. They were throwing you up on their concerts." And, to, and then to disrespect Talib on Drink Champs and have, laughing at him, and I felt like that's kind of messed up because, and I and I and I noticed that trait in different people. Like they fight for the attention of you know others. Like they they seeking it out. Mind 
neglecting the people that are already there for you. Like, you know, you know, people, people like, man, you know, why don't they ever invite me to this, this, that, and the third? Meanwhile, there's a, there's a friend that's been inviting you to mad stuff and you just ignoring them or just not showing up for them. But you're, you're seeking, you know, I want, I want this, I want this friendship. I want them to respect me. I want this, this, that, and the third while you keep overlooking the people that are there for you consistently, no matter what. And I was just noticing that. I was just like, wow. And you know, there are people, people do that a lot. Like, you know, I want this, I want that. I want them to notice me. How come, how come they ain't giving me props over here? How come I'm not getting invited to this or this person? Meanwhile, their friends have been like, well, you know, it is messed up. We having we having this over here. You can come if you want. Ah, I can't make it, or you know, or just brush it off completely. And this is like, why do we do that? Why, why do we always go for the people that keep shading us or don't see our true value or don't see our true worth? We always fight for the person we have to fight to prove it to. Like I, I don't know why that's a thing. And I know you know, and I know people fight for. You know, they always highlight the negative or they, they highlight people that aren't laughing or aren't clapping or aren't applauding or aren't reposting or aren't inviting. And then meanwhile, you you you're overlooking your your true your true friends and your true believers and your true like people that really took you on. So that was something I noticed with Kanye, because even when he brought Cootie back for like the footage, it just wasn't the same energy. It wasn't the same vibes it was like and then i was wondering like when cootie cootie highlighted his dad passing away and like you know i was wondering like was kanye even there for his dad passing away did he come to the funeral did he reach out to you it was like you know because because i know when when don de west passed away you can tell cootie was like man you know you could you could just feel as 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 the director of the documentary you could feel his love for don de west you know and so I was wondering, was Kanye still extending that same love and care to Cootie? On the other hand, somebody that was there from Jump. And so um, I just found that interesting. I was just like, man, you know, he overlooking cats that was there for him from Jump. And so it was just like, man, that was pretty glaring. And I was just thinking about it. And I was just thinking about, you know, people I know that are always like, you know, striving to, you know, I'll be like, focus on the people that are consistently there for you. Even though they might not seem as cool, you know, they might not be your targets. They're there for you. They love you. They're, they're thinking of you. They're more thoughtful. Focus on that, you know, and stop trying to fight for the people that, you know, are overlooking you. If you overlook me, all right, y'all just don't y'all just don't see me then. Move on. Focus focus on those people that really rock with you, that have been there, that show up. Uh, yeah, and then I was watching the worst roommate ever on Netflix. That show is wild. I didn't know that you can just pretty much move into somebody's crib, not pay rent, and then you can't kick them out. You have to go through this whole process of actually getting evicted. Squatters' rights. Squatters' rights are so disrespectful, and I can't believe they exist. Because I feel like some landlords are shady. Yes. But the fact that this man can just come in somebody's house that was looking for a roommate, not pay the rent, 
And then they got to go through all this red tape to get them out. These are women that were, were living with a man that's bigger than them, that's physically intimidating these women, and you can't kick me out. Getting in these women's faces, they can't kick him out. And I'm just like, my mind is blown here. I'm just like, that's the wackest shit of all time. I thought if you didn't pay the rent, get your ass up out of here. But no, you got the squatter's rights. It's going to be three months before you can get rid of me. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, yo, that's some scary shit. So if you haven't seen it, the last episode is a two. This dude, they split his story up into two episodes. And so um, he is literally like moving in. And it, the the victims on this show were all women. So he's moving in with these women. This He took this one lady's cats. He took this one lady's cats with him. <laughs> Brought up some fake charges on her. Said that she attacked him with a knife. They believed that they threw her in jail. Mm-hmm. She can't go back to her own apartment because he got a distance order or whatever. She can't even go get her cats. She had one cat that needed med- regular medical attention. He took the cat to get euthanized and took the other two cats. And when she was, like, giving the interview, she was just, like, she broke down in that moment. She was just, like, I, I feel like I failed. The, the cat was just, like, yo, how is this even humanly possible? This shit blew my mind. I still got to finish the last episode, but I'm, like, this dude. And it's funny because if you do put hands on him, you fight him, he going he gonna to run to the police and get to the police first, now it's your story against his. And I'm just like, yo, this is wild business. And I never knew this mess was going on. Blew my head off. Yeah. I was just like, man, you're moving in, you're not paying, you're not paying no rent, you're not contributing. This one lady lost her her house because of him. Like she bought, she bought an apartment in Far Rockaway that she loved. It was the first thing she ever owned. And because he wasn't paying his side of the rent, and she, he done fucked up her life so much, she had to foreclose the house. And she was never able to get back financially. I was just like, bro, this dude, I was just in awe. It, 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 it's just scary, man. So if you got somebody living with you and they ain't contributing, ease them out, man. Cause that's jacked up for one, and then, I... but also, wow. if you have a really trash landlord, because I went through this, mm-hmm. that tries to raise your rent oh, yeah. over the legal limit, it's exactly what I did. Use your squatters. Rights. Yeah, if you getting played on that, absolutely. yeah, because he had to pay me to leave. Yeah, so and you was like, paying your rent. Yeah, and so it's like you. Nah, and yeah. and everybody else who wasn't like so it was like a, a roommate situation. It was a bunch of people who I rented a room and they didn't they weren't from New York, so they don't know like the percentage is like five percent I think now. Mm-hmm. But this dude was trying to raise the rent over like over thirteen. It was it was like thirteen percent. It was a it was insane. Yeah, and uh, they all left. They're like, oh well, I guess I'm, mm-hmm. I'm like, wait, what? Wait, hold on, I need y'all because <laughs> yeah. this is illegal. Like, he's if this is what he wants to do, he has to pay us to leave. Yeah, and no, you know, they were just scared, and I was just like, nah, you stay. Yeah, and I, it was a lot. I went through a lot. I remember one time coming home, 
to a dude in my living room. Mm -hmm. It was a huge dude. Mm -hmm. And I was like, uh, what are you doing? He's like, oh, the owner of the building told me to, uh, to like, you know, be do security on this apartment or whatever, because apparently like, and he, the story he was told and I was like, um, yeah, you're secu you're security for me. Yeah. Like this is my apartment. And, and I told him the situation. And he's like, nah, that's fucked up. Like, yeah. And he, he left. He's like, I'll just call him in the morning. And I was like, I bet. And, uh, and so the guy comes in the morning and I already told the, the station, the police station down the block of the situation. Cause the, one of the officers I went to middle school and high school with. And so he was already it, like, he already knew what was going on. So mm. when they called the cops on me to try to like, when the landlord tried to call the cops on me to like, yo, get her out. She's here illegally. I was like, no bro, you're trying to kick me out illegally. Like, yeah. You gonna have to like I know my shit. I was talk. I talked to every lawyer, every like you know. I was I was doing my research. Right. So the cops came, and he you know he was like oh like trying to give his side of the story to make mm. it real dramatic, and so I come out and I explain what happened, and they're like okay what's your name? Oh wait Castro. Oh wait oh your officer Gills friend i was like mm. yeah oh yeah they told me about hold on and they turned around and chewed out the landlord and like yeah. you're gonna have to pay her like this is elite you know real new york yeah. women <laughs> and uh like no you're gonna have to pay she's a female how you gonna put her in the streets da, 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 da. Right. and they're like no this is unfair so he wrote me a fake check i knew he wrote me a fake check so i was like all right this you think this is cute whatever whatever uh-huh um eventually i got the the money yeah but he he really tried to play me and how I long do. this process take it was a few months no nah, it was like two months two months okay yeah they say it takes three months to evict somebody i didn't want to i didn't want to go the legal way i was like bro i know you don't want to spend money on yeah. on uh on like lawyers and this that and the third and like i just gave him a price i was like you give me this much money i'll be out your head how much you give uh ten it was like it was ten thousand? Oh shit! Yeah, cause I was just, just give me this much for the for the you Hell know yeah. for the rest of the year, and uh, it's like all right. Uh, then faked it with the fake check, and then I was like, bro, I already know this is fake, but I'm gonna let you. How much he fake it with? How it much was, was it was amount? it was the ten. Okay, but he actually paid the ten eventually. Yeah, he did. Yeah, and I was like, I know this is fake, but I right, we're going. I'm gonna go to the bank with it. And, yeah, and you don't think it's cute or whatever. And he tried to change the locks on me mm. one day when I was out, and uh, I I left the back door open. It was a, a Brooklyn apartment, by the way, y'all, in Bushwick, and uh, we had a backyard. And so I snuck back in to the house. So this guy at this point is like, I cannot get rid of him. Mm -hmm. I was like, no. Like, unless you want to go to the courts, and I don't feel like doing that, and right. I know you don't feel like doing that, because you know you're going to lose, and he knew he was going to lose because yeah. it was illegal. And then finally, he was just like, here's the money in cash. And uh, I was like, all right, I'll be at your head. I was, I was packed the whole time. Yeah. I was ready to go. I was like, sweetheart, I'm ready to go. Just you either pay me to leave or, you know, you're gonna you're probably going to end up owing me more yeah. if we go to the courts. Was he old? He, he was an old Hasidic Jewish guy because they owned most of Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, And, yeah, and I went through all of that. So I did use my squatter rights in that not legally but i i you know i brought yeah. up a lot of legal words like the muscle i was like <laughs> in that regard squatters rice is legit yeah yeah fake check like he wrote the check and then uh canceled it 
and I was Dirty just like, bastard. I was like, all right, I, I know this is fake. Dirty bastard. But I'm going I'm to let you think that you got one over on me. Mm. And when, man, when he saw that the cops was like knew about the situation and mm. was on my side, he's like, damn. Damn it! I, she's more formidable than I yeah. imagined. And, he, and so he hired the, the security dude. You could tell that it's somebody who, that would scare him. Yeah. But I was just like, "This, what the hell are you doing? Like, I might right. be small, but this guy doesn't scare me." Yeah. Because he was like a seven foot tall, huge dude. It's just like, I was like, "This doesn't. This, I'm not scared, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> like, I know, I know that I'm good. So." Um, the name of the Netflix special that Tony was talking about was Worst Roommate Ever. Yeah, it's in the top ten right now on Netflix. So check it out. Now that was just the, the back. One roommate was killing killing people that stayed with her in Sacramento. Um, another roommate ended up killing his his roommate, which I I saw this story on Dateline. He was a man that ended up killing his roommate, and then uh. It was another episode where this dude was swindling money from people because he was getting money to like run for Palestine and this, that, and the third. So he was swindling money that way. And then, um, hell yeah. Wait, what's going on? They having technical difficulties? Oh, yeah. A lot of them are saying that the internet is. Internet tripping. But it. Oh. Can y'all. Are y'all good? We having problems for those that y'all listening to the show. Uh, Patron Saints having problems with the with the visuals. Um, in closing, y'all, let me do this this uh, review for the Batman. So, the Batman is the latest Batman movie to hit the streets, directed by Matt Reeves, who um, is responsible for reinvigorating the Planet of the Apes. Um, you know, mythology and franchise and all that good stuff. Um, Matt Reeves, I'm going to dig up his uh, his filmography real quick. Matt Reeves, the Batman. No spoilers, no spoilers, no spoilers. There will be no spoilers. Okay, guys? So Matt Reeves, as a director, this is his filmography. He directed five episodes of Felicity. I don't know if anybody watched that show. Uh, Cloverfield, he uh, directed that. He directed Let Me In, which is a remake of this movie called Let the Right One In, which is actually one of my favorite vampire movies. Um, he directed Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, War of the Planet of the Apes. So he didn't do the initial uh, Planet of the Apes with James Franco. He didn't direct that one. But he directed the uh, the following two, which, in my opinion, were dope. Like, I, I really like those last three Planet of the Eight movies were dope. And then now he's got the Batman. The Batman. We got Robert Pattinson as Batman. A lot of people, when they first heard about this, they were like, man, no, nah, man, look out, man. You know what I'm saying? Robert Pattinson, Edward. From Twilight, man, man, look out, man. Hey, man, watch, man, get off me, man. You know what I'm saying? Robert Pattinson, man, get this out of here, man. <laughs> a lot of people wasn't happy with it. But then they were like, you know what I'm saying? Give him a chance. He's got the acting chops, you know what I'm saying? I was, I was like, I was like, he could surprise us. He could surprise us. Every time when we hear about people getting cast, 
we don't always agree. You got to give people a chance to, you know, prove themselves. The Batman, when the Riddler, a sadistic serial killer, begins murdering key political figures in Gotham, Batman is forced to investigate the city's hidden corruption and question his family's involvement. That's what this Batman is about. This Batman is set early in Batman's career. Okay, this is like year two he's been Batman. So this is his second year being Batman. Robert Pattinson plays Bruce Wayne, a.k.a. Batman. So, you know, they're going to they're gonna go for a little younger look. And when you think of Robert Pattinson, you think of Twilight, maybe a younger guy, even though he's a full-grown man. I'm not sure how old Robert Pattinson is, but, you know, when you think about him, you're thinking younger, just off the rip. Robert Pattinson, um, let me see. So he's born in 86. So Robert Pattinson is in his 30s, but he's got that that boyish, mannish, you know. I said this on stage the other day. I was like, man, Robert Pattinson outside the bat suit, outside the bat suit, I did not like the way he looked in this movie. I know he's young. I know it's year two. With him in that hair, the little stringy emo hair, and the way he was talking to Alfred, like, man, you're not my father. It was just like, he didn't say it like that, but the hair made me think of this. Get out of my room, Alfred. That was the vibe. But I was feeling like, you know, Robert Pattinson gave it a bat guy vibe, like bat guy rather than man, bat guy. You know, uh, but it, but again, it's early Batman. You know, he had just hit the streets. Um, the film opens up where, you know, he's just getting started, but he's building the rep. Like, they know him. They know they know the Batman. The crooks are scared. They know Batman is out here scaring the criminals and putting, putting hands on people and stuff like that. And, like, you know, so, and, you know, Gordon is already rocking with Batman. So this particular Batman movie, was the most detective-y Batman movie I've ever seen. Like, this was Seven. This was like putting Batman in the movie Seven for me. Like, it was it was mad detective work, police work. He was working very closely with uh, Jim Gordon, who wasn't commissioner yet. So, to me, this felt very detective-like. It was just like, you know... It was he was showing up to the crime scenes. The cops was like, "Hey man, get Batman out of here, man! He in the crime scene." Gordon's like, "Nah, man, he good." I love the way they made Gotham City look. It was dark. It was dank. It was, it was a uh, 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 the Gotham City you expect. It, it felt very gritty, very dark, very urban, very you know cluttered. It was just like, man, they created a dope Gotham City. I like the vibe of the whole city. I like the cinematography. Um, you know, the the fight choreography was legit. It wasn't as jerky as the Christopher Nolan Batman movies. But none of the fight scenes gave me the adrenaline that when Ben Affleck was Batman and Batman versus Superman and he went to save Superman's mom, there's still not a Batman fight scene that has topped that, in my personal opinion. The Batman is no exception. But 
the Batman fight scenes are pretty good. They're pretty solid. Um, I feel like they were easier to view and take in than the Christopher Nolan Batmans, who was doing a lot of jerky camera movements. And, you know, Batman always had his, his elbow up in the, in, the, in the fight scenes on the Christopher Nolan. He's always doing this. It's very elbowy. Batman was very elbowy in the, in the Christopher Nolan Batman movies. But the detective aspect in this Batman made this movie feel fresh to me. Jeffrey Wright as Gordon. Jeffrey Wright is Jeffrey Wright. He's always going to deliver. 100%. He's always going to be a welcome presence. You know, Jeffrey Wright is that dude. He can do no wrong. Even though it was this one particular movie where I didn't really feel him in this particular movie. I forget the name of it. It was a Netflix joint where he was like an ex-con and he was raising his son. And his son was played by the dude that was in uh, the Wu-Tang joint that plays the RZA. And he was in... Uh, you know, Twilight, I didn't really like Jeffrey Wright in that, but everything else Jeffrey Wright is in, all in, and Jeffrey Wright in the Batman is a dope Gordon. Um, and remember, they're young. So, you know, Selena Kyle, played by Zoe Kravitz, is also young. She's just getting into her, you know, Catwoman status and vibe, you know what I mean? And um, I like Zoe Kravitz as Selena Kyle. Like, it was just, she had... To me, to me, Catwoman was layered in this movie. She wasn't just some, you know, uh, scarred woman. You know, there were still layers that we could still pull back on Selena Kyle. But, you know, she was pulling back the layers as the movie went on. And, you know, she was three-dimensional as, as Selena Kyle. And, like, she was sexy. Like, she visually sexy. But also, she didn't force the sexiness on us. It was like... She was visually stunning, sexy, but it never felt forced. It, it still felt like she was someone underneath all of that, and, and I could, I could, I could feel that. And I was just like, "All right, Zoe Kravitz's Catwoman, I'm feeling that. I'm feeling that right there." Um, and I liked the dynamic between her and Batman. It was like a good dynamic. Um, Paul Dano as the Riddler did a great job. He did a great job. He. He, wa he wasn't some campy, ridiculous Jim Carrey as the Riddler. They went away from that. A big, smiley, just like, yeah, the riddles. He had the riddles going, but it was more so on a cerebral level, like, figure this out. I got the plans going, the mystery of it all. This wasn't some hulking brute like Bane. This was just somebody that's going to outsmart you, but also can do things to you physically. The breathing, the way he sounded in the mask, the way he talked, it was like, you know, he was hiding his voice. It was just like, all right, I'm going to get you on an intellectual level, Batman. I want you in on this. I'm leaving you clues. And it was very much a detective story. And Colin Farrell was just amazing as the Penguin. Like, you know, he was unrecognizable. But he gave he gave the proceedings some light, some, uh, some levity, some bounce. Like, the, the Penguin was a funny character. Like... The mob element was there, and John Turturro was in it, and they did a good job giving us that mob guy element that I also like to see in the Batman aesthetic, and I feel like Colin Farrell did an amazing job as well, and I'd like to see you know, more of these cats uh, going forward. Um, so I feel like on the direct... I didn't like the third act. The final climax of the movie was where I felt like there was probably the weakest link 
Um, it just didn't really flow with the rest of the film. It wasn't horrible, but um, it just didn't flow with the rest of the film. It felt like they switched gears on us at the very end. And I don't know if I really embraced that fully. Um, I get it. They had to they had to raise the stakes and like you know make everything more amped up and like you know we got to raise the stakes. But I just felt like it just didn't it didn't really match the tone of the rest of the film for me. Um, and I feel like I feel like Zoe Kravitz was a better Catwoman than uh, Anne Hathaway. You feel the same, Sabrina? Oh my God, Anne Hathaway's too adorable. Anne Hathaway, <laughs> she's too cute to be. She was cute, adorable. She brought an intelligence to the mm-hmm. role, but I never felt seduction. Yeah, I never felt seduction. I look at Zoe's face and I'm like, I'm ready. What are we doing? Zoe could just look at us all and we'd be like, Yep. You know, you're doing the collar adjustment, male, female. You're gonna be like, mm-hmm. so yeah, non-binary. So what's going on? <laughs> what yeah. are we? You just gonna go up to Zoe Kravitz and be like, "So what are we?" Oh, if I ever run into her in the street, you best believe I'm gonna be like, "Listen, me and my boyfriend ain't that serious." As a matter of fact, he good with it. So what are we? So what are we? Yeah, I'll be like, "Yeah, what? What are y'all?" I'm on the side. <laughs> she just you cheering me on. Zoe Kravitz's parents did their job, Bro. in creating a great face. Shout out to them, Lenny Kravitz and Lisa Bonet. Y'all did that. Y'all set it up. Man. Y'all did this on purpose. Oh, because the both of them on their own individually. You already like, knew they coming in face first. Yeah. You already knew them two together creating a face. Isn't you can't lose. And Zoe's face is just like, man, god damn, man. Okay. We get it, face. We get it. So I feel like, you know, that was a great casting choice. And the, the way she would talk to Batman and just look at him and stuff like that, it was just like, it was dope. It was a vibe. It was like an attraction, but it it didn't feel she didn't camp it up in any way. It was just like, yo, so so what you trying to do after this, man? It was just like a dope, a dope tone was set. And remember, they're young, too. We, we got to keep that in mind. They're young. So it was just like, all right. Um, so I feel like the casting was great. Although, although, I still, I, I didn't really feel Robert Pattinson as Bruce Wayne. I didn't really connect with him as Bruce Wayne. Yeah. No. I just didn't feel, and I know he's young. I know he's young. He probably hasn't, because he really, in the movie, he's really bucking against Bruce Wayne. Like, he doesn't want to be Bruce Wayne. He doesn't want to be that guy. I'm not interested in being Bruce Wayne. I'm not interested in being this billionaire playboy philanthropist. I'm not interested in this. I want to stop crime in Gotham City. I want to solve cases. I want to protect people. So when I'm out of the costume, I'm not feeling this. So it was just like... I get that, Batman. I get that. That's part of your mystique. That's part of your whole your whole thing. But when he was out of costume, I was just like, all right, man, you know what I'm saying? Get the get get the costume back on. When Michael Keaton was out of costume, I didn't mind it because I liked him as Bruce Wayne. I like I like Michael Keaton as Bruce Wayne. I liked him as Batman and Bruce Wayne. Christian Bale, you know, he was cool as Bruce Wayne. And then he 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 talked annoyingly as Batman, trying to disguise his voice. You know what I mean? 
I like Ben Affleck as Bruce Wayne, and I like I liked him as as Batman. You know, I like the way his voice was modified when he was in the costume, and I like his size. I like his stature, and I like Batman's costume when Ben Affleck was Batman. And then Val Kimmel brought nothing to Batman. He brought absolutely nothing. He brought absolutely nothing. To me, even though George Clooney gets the, the bad rap of being the worst Batman, at least he wasn't boring. That movie was horrible. Batman and Robin was horrible. That's not all George Clooney's fault. There was nobody that could save Batman and Robin. You could have put Daniel Day-Lewis in that goddamn bat costume. It would have been horrible. Denzel could have been Batman. It would have been a horrible movie. There was no saving it. Visually, from a writing standpoint, the campiness of it, it was dead in the water. So it wasn't on George Clooney. But at least George Clooney had some type of charisma and personality to him. Val Kilmer brought nothing. And we know Val Kilmer is capable of charm. Val Kilmer as Doc Holliday is one of the best movie characters of all time. But him as Batman, snooze fest. In my opinion, Val Kilmer is the worst Batman. Did George Clooney right above him, but, you know. So I said all that to say this. I like Robert Pattinson as the Batman. As Bruce Wayne, he he was all right. You know what I'm saying? But forget all that. Y'all want to know the smooth jazz review of The Batman. Well, here it is. Oh, yeah. I'm giving The Batman four saxophones out of five. Yeah. I kind of want to see The Batman again so I can pick up on pieces I may have missed. And I like the way it looked. It was, it was a good film to look at. So, yeah, I like that. I like that aspect of it. What you giving it? Out of five? Yeah. How many saxophones you giving the Batman? I would give it four. Okay. I really, I I love the first two halves mm. of that movie. I love it. And you know why. The storyline was great. Yeah. And you know what I mean? So, yeah. Okay. I'm going to give it four. Amir, did you see it? Oh, Amir didn't see it, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Do you think that Alicia Silverstone would have made a better Catwoman? No. I'm, I'm, I mean, As opposed to being Batgirl? Yeah. No. You don't think she would have brought sexier no. uh, than, uh, what's her name? Anne? Alicia Silverstone is adorable. She's adorable, she but was, she I think she can tap into sexiness because of Aerosmith videos. She was some mad sexy in those videos. Forgot about those videos. She was mad sexy. She can tap into it. That's why I'm like. The only thing, though, was her age. That would have just felt weird. Okay. Cause How old she, was she? She was, uh, I don't know, she might have been a grown woman. She's coming off of Clueless. Because you got to keep in mind, she was Batgirl in like 97. Mm. And, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm comparing to Anne Hathaway, not Zoe or anything. I just mean over Anne Hathaway. I feel like Alicia Silverstone is Catwoman. Catwoman needs to have a a dark sexiness to her. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't really feel that from Alicia Silverstone. Mm. Like, you know, it's got to be like a smoky, just a dark, something. I get it. Yeah, so so now. Nah. I know exactly what you're, what you're trying yeah. to say. Yeah, because, you know, I grew up, you know, my, my introduction to Catwoman was actually Eartha Kitt. Mm. Uh, even oh, more yeah, so yeah. than the comics. Yeah. So he's like, oh, okay. 
And so that was my intro to her. She is Catwoman. She was Catwoman, like, you know, from the, you know. And then, you know, I read the comic books. And then the Halle Berry thing was disastrous. So, you know, but that's more so due to the writing and the plot and all that. But, and we all know Halle Berry is gorgeous, but it was just, that movie failed on all fronts. Yeah, yeah, So it was just like, yeah, let's just forget that shit ever happened. Yeah, so, yeah. But, (laughs) but, uh, and again, Anne Hathaway was an interesting character. But it was just her as Catwoman just never really felt like it just never felt right. And I like Anne Hathaway as an actress and as a person because, you know, she'd be speaking up when 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 we as blacks be out here pissed off, she'd be right with us. With her eyeballs. With her big eyes. She got huge eyes. <laughs> uh, I, I like her eyes. But, you know, as a person, as a human being, and as an actress, she's super talented, super dope. But I just don't feel like Catwoman was the right was the right role for her um, in the Christopher Nolan joint. What about uh, Uma Thurman as Poison Ivy? Oh my gosh, she was horrible. <laughs> Uma Thurman was horrible as Poison <laughs> Ivy, man. That because mind you, I rewatched all the Batman's fairly recently, like mm-hmm. last year. Uma Thurman was dreadful as Poison Ivy. The one credit I give to Batman and Robin. Mr. Freeze looked amazing. Oh, looked? The way Mr. Freeze looked? Yes. Amazing. When he was in the costume, even when he was out of the costume, Arnold Schwarzenegger looked amazing as Mr. Freeze. This is facts. Just the shit he was saying was just absolute garbage. Yeah, it was very cringy. Visually, they did the costume department. And the makeup department did their damn thing with Mr. Freeze. Yeah. That's that's one of the highlights of Batman and Robin. They made they made that look even when he froze people, it looked it looked dope. Yeah. But I I, I visually like that movie because especially when like you look at it from like childlike eyes and you don't even have to be a child, you just have to have childlike eyes yeah. and imagination. It's just like, wow, this is pretty fucking cool. Right. This is amazing. Yeah. Like, it's, oh, ooh, mm-hmm. ah. It's Rich, colorful. It's, it's colorful, vibrant. It's dope. Yeah. yeah. I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. It felt like a comic book in the colorful aspect. Right. But uh, yeah, when you when you break down the artistry of it, it's like yeah. Ugh. Let me let me tell you what they did get right as far as casting with the Batman franchises. What? Michael Keaton is Batman, even though people hated it initially. When we saw it, it was like, yeah, yeah. Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton's great. By yeah, way. he because people was pissed when he first got cast. People was pissed. It was like Beetlejuice. No, no, it was hot. That's so weird because I feel like he's not even Beetlejuice, even though he's Beetlejuice. Right. I don't, I don't even like. I don't even associate. That's not he, the first he, thing. He did he, such a good job. It was just like it wasn't him. Yeah, it didn't even feel like him. Even that. they're coming out with another Beetlejuice. Yes, I'm here. for I'm it. I'm skeptical, but yes, I'm here for it. Beetlejuice is one of the most inventive uh, movies I can think of. Insane. It was just like the storyline. I was just like, what? It's whoever, like, the idea, bless that imagination. Yeah. Because. It's great, great premise, great story, and great cast. Yes. Gina Davis was adorable with her little dimples. Alec Baldwin was mm-hmm. adorable in that movie. It was like yeah. a different Alec Baldwin. That, that, I don't even associate today's Alec with that Alec. <laughs> yeah. It's so, everybody in that movie, I don't even associate them with who they are today. Well, I guess Winona Ryder. Winona Ryder, she hung still, on to it for a while. She, she was that person for a while, yeah. yeah. But everybody else is just like, bro. Yep. <laughs> Beetlejuice is dope. So good. Um, 
So Michael Keaton's a good cast. Mm-hmm. Jack Nicholson, of course, is the Joker. Kill that shit. Um, I liked uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman. Was dope. She okay. did a great job. Christopher Walken was great in Batman Returns. Danny DeVito was gross yes. as the Penguin, but he was great. Killed it. He killed it. Um, two, Tommy Lee Jones is Two-Face trash. Who the hell is Tommy Lee Jones? Oh, he, I'm sure he's still working. He's always in something. Mm. Uh, he was just in the commercial during the Super Bowl with Leslie Jones. And they was in them trucks. Keeping up with the Joneses was the thing. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't see that. So he was a... Uh, um, so Jim Carrey mm. was over the top as the Riddler, but I didn't hate him as the Riddler. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I was just like... But I didn't hate him as the Riddler, but he was doing the most. But that's that's what they kind of set up for that movie. Val Kilmer as Batman was trash. Nicole Kidman as the love interest was was, was boring in, in Batman Forever. Mm-hmm. Chris Chris O'Donnell as Robin was okay. Yeah, that was I like, all right. You yeah. know what I mean? I didn't hate it. I wasn't mad at it. And I was like, okay, oh, he's cute. Yeah. You know? Like yeah. he had that youthful energy yeah. and like, you know. He did he did what he could with Robin. So I'm not mad at that. He did what he could. Yeah. Which is the key. Yeah. Cause that the rest of the movie around him. Shit show. But he did, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He did not matter. Um so they already talked about Batman and Robin. Um, so then we get to, you know, Christopher Nolan. Christian Bale is Batman. I liked it. Mm-hmm. I liked him as Bruce Wayne. I liked him as Bruce Wayne. Quite a bit. Um, it was believable. Yeah, it was. And when he had to turn on the Bruce Wayne charm, they would show him doing that. You never answered the question. Oh. Does, so there's a tweet that said, uh, Robert Pattinson can play Batman, but Christian Bale can never be Edward Cullen. Do you think, <laughs> do you think Christian Bale could have pulled off Edward Cullen? He's too old, man. It's like... Well, think of like to me, like Twilight. I'm just looking at it from a teeny perspective. But well, think about young Christian Bale. Do you think he would have been able to do it? Okay, let me because young Christian Bale to me is Empire of the Sun, but he was literally a kid in that movie. Oh. Um, what about American Psycho? How old was he in that? He was a grown man then, and he looked like a grown man. I don't think he could have pulled off Edward Cullen because mm-hmm. I can't really see. I can't really see Christian Bale as a heartthrob. He's he's got heartthrob looks, but I've never seen it. Like it, I'm not saying he's ugly, but oh, I, no, I've no, just yeah, never yeah. seen him as the love interest, the guy. You know what I mean? And since I've never seen that, it's hard for me to picture that. You know what I mean? So I don't know, because. Cause every movie he's been in, it's like the the love, the romance is just an afterthought yeah, for facts. his character. That so it's facts. just like I don't know. And I'm not I'm not sitting up here calling him like you know a, a hideous man or anything like that. I mean, that's when, Christian Bale back in the day. Yeah, I looked maybe, up. Maybe. I looked up Christian Bale young. He's giving me vampire. He's giving me young little little. T- <sighs> Was it Tiger Beat? And then, and then one thing one thing y'all have to consider too about Christian Bale, he has kind of a asshole face. He does have an asshole face. So I feel like to be a heartthrob, 
you can't really have that asshole face. I definitely wouldn't say hi to him if I saw him in the street. Yeah, he looked like he just ain't, he ain't with it. I would like, just tell nah. people afterwards, like I saw Christian Bale, why didn't you say hi? Because he yeah. looked like an asshole. <laughs> right. So it's kind of tough, you know. Because, you know, Robert Pattinson, he has vulnerability in his face and, like, you know, yeah. stuff like that. So, so no, nah, I don't know if he could pull off Edward Cullen. From an acting standpoint, he's he's incredible. He's one of the best actors working today. Mm-hmm. So he probably could pull off Edward Cullen, but yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. just going pure visual. Yeah. Thought he was a good Batman, great Bruce Wayne. Morgan Freeman as Lucius Fox was incredible in the Nolan Batman. Liam Neeson as Raja Ghoul was dope. Uh, Killian Murphy as the Scarecrow, dope. Heath Ledger as Joker, dope. Um, Michael Caine as Alfred, dope. I love I love Michael Caine. Oh, Michael Caine is just... He's another person that when I see him, him and Andy Serkis, I'm like... Oh. Andy Serkis as Alfred, dope. dope. Um, who, who was... Uh, oh, oh. Uh, Gary Oldman as Gordon. Dope. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, I can't think of his name right now. Tom Hardy as Bane. Dope. Um, even though he's damn near unrecognizable voice-wise and visually. Yeah. He was dope as Bane. Um, Marie Cattoir, um as Raja Ghoul's daughter. Even though I think she's a dope actress, she didn't really bring it. She didn't really bring anything. She could have been replaced. So I'm going to go no on her, even though I think she's a dope actress. Great, great eyes and a great face. But nah, on that. Um, oh, uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt as a potential Robin. Dope. Um,. Mo, Mo, you know, Christopher Nolan didn't really miss a lot in terms of casting. Uh, except for, you know, Anne Hathaway's Catwoman and, you know, uh, Jeffrey Wright as Gordon was dope. So, oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. And I like Ben Affleck as Batman, too. I liked him as Bruce Wayne. I liked him. And I say, I'm, I'm going to keep saying it till they top it. The Batman fight scene where he goes to save Superman's mom is still, to me, the best Batman fight scene on film. I know the Bane fight carried a lot more weight, a lot more dramatic weight, but as far as fight choreography, that Batman fight scene, the Batman v Superman was just fire. Anyway, y'all let me know what you thought in the comment section below. Let me know how you felt about the Batman Um let me know in the comment section below who is your favorite Batman and who is your least favorite Batman. Let me know in the comment section below, man. Um, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe and share with your people. You know what I mean? Marlon Wayans was going to be Robin. That would have been interesting to see. He was all set, too. Um, but, yeah. Anyway, y'all, we got to get the hell up out of here. We are an hour and 33 minutes in. Um, I want to thank my patron saints for being in here, for pulling up, for joining us, for having a good time, for supporting I love y'all passionately in the shower. You know this. Um, shout out to Sabrina, producer extraordinaire. Even though Amir was quiet this episode, shout out to Amir on the ones and twos. 
And uh, thank you all for great questions. And uh, keep the questions coming. And if I miss the question here, we'll tackle it on another episode. Yeah, I'm going to start keeping the questions. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, y'all. You do some time stamping? I did. Yes. The whole, look, look at this. Yeah, we got time stamps, y'all. Oh, thank you so much. How do you do? Um, um, can you send those to Amir? No. Okay. All right. So, uh. <laughs> Yeah, y'all. <laughs> we out of here. I want y'all to have a great week. Spread the word about verbal cardio, man. Please. You know, we the little engine that could out here, man. Pull up, man. Share, share, share. All right, y'all. We out.